Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah, on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashem, and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Benai and Cherubiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You may be seated. There are many people in our world today, even in the churches, that try to live a happy life. It seems that there is a longing in every person's heart to live that happy life. They pursue happiness in many different ways. They fill their lives up with fun activities, like going on many different vacations, filling their time up with their hobbies, being with their friends. They try to find happiness in buying a new car, buying new clothes, and buying new bigger houses. But what they don't realize is that their happiness will wear off with the newness when the newness wears off. Then they go out to buy or find the next new thing that will bring them happiness for only a short period of time. This becomes a vicious cycle in their life, always chasing after the next thing that will bring them happiness. But what happens when your life is filled with difficult things that you experience? like ongoing medical situations in your life, or someone close to you that is wayward, not following the ways of God, or there is constant financial struggles, or things are never going right. 
and you can fill in the blank what that, what that may be. What happens then? What gives you the strength to move forward for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year? When you're going through a difficult situation, how do you go through that time? Many times, many people in the world, they come up with their own ideas, solutions. They write books, how to overcome depression, how to go through their difficulties. Well, those ideas and solutions do not involve God. Many times in those books, they say um, that you are to, the way to move forward is to, is to think positive, think positive thoughts. <clears throat> but when there is difficulty, that is nearly impossible to do. And if they do succeed, it doesn't take long for them to fall right back into discouragement and depression. This morning, I want to talk about the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy that Christians can experience. So what is joy? As children, many times we sing the song, joy is a flag flown high from the castle by my heart, when the king is in residence there. That is a short version of what joy is and what it actually is. And even that a child can understand what joy is. Joy is something that is displayed. It is not something that is hid. It is flown high. Joy is something that comes from within, from the very center of our being. Joy comes from our hearts. And joy comes when the king, when Jesus is in residence in our hearts, or when the Holy Spirit lives within us. There's more things that I want to say here about joy. Joy comes from God. Joy is a gift that comes from God. It is something that is given to us. Psalms 4-7, and this is referring to God, it says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Joy is, only, is also only for those who believe the gospel message. In John 15, where it talks about the vine, how we need to abide in Christ and he will abide in us, it says in verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. When we believe what Jesus says and, keeps, and keep his commandments, we will have joy. Not only will we have joy, but it will be joy that is full and complete. It will be joy that is overflowing. Joy is also something that is produced in us by the Holy Spirit. Joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. We all know that the fruit of the tree tells us what kind of tree it is. True joy can only come from those who have the Holy Spirit in their, in their life. An unbeliever cannot experience true joy. The only person that can have joy in their life is a Christian. Joy comes to those who receive and believe the word of God. 
comes to those who receive and believe the word of God. In Luke 24, when the two disciples were walking to Emmaus with Jesus, what did they say when Jesus left them? Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. They had joy when, they, when Jesus opened the scriptures to them, when they believed and received the word of God. Also, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen it says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Jeremiah found joy when he took God's word, and when he, when he took God's word and did eat them, so to speak. He had a great love for the scriptures. And because of his love for the scriptures, he had joy in his life. And also 1 John 1, 4 says, And these things write I unto you, that your joy may be full. John was writing his letter so that the people reading his letter could experience joy. And this was not because John had something to say that produced joy. It was because of the things he was writing about that produced joy. The Holy Spirit prompted John to write the things that produce joy joy. When we read God's word and believe what it says, it brings joy to us. Another thing about joy, joy comes with trials. As much as we would like to separate joy and trials, we can't do it. If we want to have true joy, what that Christ gives us, we must go through trials. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, and it says, And ye became followers of us and of, and of the Lord, and having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. If we want to be followers of the Lord, we need to receive the word. We need to apply the word to our lives while we are in tribulation or time of trouble, and then with joy in our lives from the Holy Spirit. There is a mixture of the word or the scriptures of the tribulation of joy and the Holy Spirit. James 1, 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. We are to count it all joy when we have trials in our lives. When we have trials in our lives, what does it do? It brings perfection in our lives. We sang the song this morning, Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee. To have trials brings perfection in our lives. Trials has a way to purge our lives, to help us get rid of the things that take our energy away from things that matter. So that in the end, we have no need for anything because God will supply all our needs. Shouldn't that bring much joy in our lives? When we have trials. Also, Psalms 30, verse 6, it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. When we go through our trial, our, difficult, our difficulty, joy will come in the morning when we trust in God. Also, another thing about joy, it sets our hope on future glory. Romans 12.12 12, 12, says, Rejoicing in hope. 
What for hope are we rejoicing in? I believe it's the expectation for our eternal salvation. We do it with joy and confidence. We know we are sure about our eternal salvation. Also, 1 Peter 4.13, But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. When Jesus reveals his glory to us as believers, I believe it happens at the time of the rapture of the church. It is then when we will be glad with exceeding joy. It is because of the hope that we have, the confident expectation of eternal salvation that brings that joy. We will have great joy when we are judged, when we are given our rewards and are with Jesus forever. Let's look a little bit at Nehemiah 8, uh, what Glenn read, um, how these people here, how they got the joy of the Lord in their lives. And we want to do the same thing in our lives if we want joy in our hearts. A little background of the story, we all know that um, they were rebuilding the wall around um, the city, Jerusalem. And that happened after the children of Israel had spent 70 years in captivity. Some of the Jews went back to Israel under Zerubbabel and Ezra. And if you look back at Nehemiah 1, we see that they weren't doing very well, those that went back. They were in great need and in much reproach. And the reason why is because the walls were broken down and the gates were burned. So Nehemiah took up the challenge to have the walls rebuilt and get the gates um, rebuilt as well. They eventually got it done. Nehemiah got it done. He had the walls and the gates rebuilt. And we see in chapter 8 the revival um, under Ezra. After the wall was built, the children of Israel gathered together and told Ezra to get the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And if we know what the book of the law of Moses is, it's the five books of the Bible, first five books of the Bible. Let's notice what happened. Let's notice what the people did when the book was open and read. We see that the people's ears were attentive unto the book of the law. They strained to catch every word that was spoken. They listened. They paid attention to what was being read. Their hearts was open to hear the word of God. They were ready to obey God no matter what happened. Then when the book was open, everyone stood at the reading of the word. There was reverence to the word of God as it was being read. And it wasn't that Ezra was speaking that they stood. It was because God was speaking through Ezra that they stood. They, had, they showed reverence to God by standing. Also, we see that they bowed their heads with their faces to the ground and with their hands lifted up in worship to the Lord. Let's take notice of how the, the scripture was read. And we can see that in verse um, 8. The book of the law was read distinctly. It was read correctly. It was read with the correct punctuation in place. 
it was read clearly. And this is all leading up for them to come to repentance, for them to come to find the joy of the Lord in their lives. Another thing that they did when they read the scriptures, they caused them to understand the reading of the law. The law was written in Hebrew, and possibly the Jews that had returned from Babylon, um, their first language was, was Aramaic, so they needed a translator. And I'm not for sure, for sure about that, but this could be possible. But whatever the case was, the reading was done so that they could understand it. There was no personal interpretation of what was being read. They simply emphasized what was written. Thus it should be, for what it is written is what it is meant, and it is plainly, plainly stated so that all can see alike. The way that we read the scriptures can not only steal the joy out of our own life, but also to those who are hearing us read. We should be careful on how we read God's word. So what was the result of the word of God being read? And we can see that in verse 9. The people wept when the word of the God was read. And this weeping was a weeping of repentance. They were repented of their sins. They were sorry. Nehemiah told them not to mourn nor weep because today was a holy day. Nehemiah didn't want them to continue on in grieving and mourning because that day was also a day of rejoicing for them, of being set free, of being delivered from sin. The joy of the Lord that they were experiencing gave them the strength that they needed to go on through the next days, months, and years. And if we look at the rest of the book of Nehemiah, we can see how the children of Israel continued on and in their revival, that they um, lived in obedience to the word of God, that they confronted sin when it came, when it showed up, and they did away with compromise and so on. The joy of the Lord gave them the strength that they needed. The same is true for us. The joy of the Lord is our strength today. It is what keeps us going and being faithful to God. It helps us to live in unity, live as a brotherhood. It will continue on bringing revival in my own heart and in everyone here. The joy of the Lord helps us to be more like Christ by molding and shaping us into what God wants us to be through trials and tribulations. So what is the difference between a believer and an unbeliever in finding joy and happiness? Happiness is controlled by circumstances around me. Joy is controlled by what happened within me. People try to control their circumstances around them so that they can live a happy life, so that the ache in their soul can be filled. And like I said, they buy new clothes, they buy bigger houses, they buy new cars. But their happiness wears off as fast as the newness of the item that they bought wears off. Another way that they find um, joy and happiness is by planning busy schedules. 
by going on vacations, being involved in their hobbies, shopping, sports, entertainment. But when our vacations are done, our hobbies are getting old and boring, we are looking for the next thing that brings fulfillment. And by saying these things, I'm not saying that these things are wrong, and that we can enjoy doing some of these things. But if we do these things to fulfill the longing within our soul, where the joy of the Lord should be at, that's wrong. <clears throat> Happiness, success for an unbeliever is living a life without any troubles. But if they are able to accomplish that, there will still be a longing in their souls, a longing that they cannot satisfy, but us as Christians can have joy while going through our trials because of the hope that is within us. Unbelievers try to become happy from the things of this world. Christians look to God for joy in their lives. For the unbelievers, their happiness lies in things that decay, from things that will fade away, from things that will not last, and things that will fill them. But the Christian, their joy lies in things that is eternal, things that will never fade away. When we have our mind on heaven, on being with Jesus, it is that hope that we can have that can bring us joy. When things are going well, the unbeliever will still have an emptiness in his soul. His soul is still troubled in spite of the good life that he is living. For us as Christians, I believe we should have expressions of, a, of joy on our faces. If we have joy in our lives because of Christ, it should be put a smile on our faces. We, sh we should also be able to express, express hope in our faces. There should be great sorrow for the Christian for our sins, but it should lead us to joy and rejoicing because of the freedom and the healing that we have found in Christ. But for the unbeliever, there is always hopelessness and constant sorrow spelled on their faces. Even in the midst of their fun times, there is still hopelessness and constant sorrow. So what happens in our lives when we have joy? There's several things that I've written down that bring us, that happens when we have joy. Number one, we are content with the life God has given us. We are satisfied with our lot in life. We are content where God has placed us at. Paul experienced joy while he was in prison in Rome. You know, Paul could have had a negative attitude about his life while he was in chains, but he didn't. He had joy in his life. And we even read the story how he worshipped in the midst of prison by singing. He had learned to be content in whatever state he was in. I believe Paul also rested on the promises of God. Um, like he said in Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, Be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper 
and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Paul knew that God would always be with him, that he would never leave him nor forsake him. And it gave Paul the confidence that he needed to go through prison time for the sake of Christ, or whatever else experience that he had. He was confident in the one who knows all things, the one who sees all things, the one who created all things. He was the one who was with him and was his helper. So what are some of the things that brought him joy while he was in prison? The saints at Philippi had a fellowship in the gospel. This brought joy to Paul. And we see that in Philippians 1. They were partners with Paul and each other in the gospel message. Paul was excited what was happening to the saints since he was in prison. I'm going to read a portion from Philippians 1, um, verses 12 to 14. You can turn there if you want. Philippians 1, 12 to 14. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in, and in all other places, and many other brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul was in, was in prison because he was a servant of the, Jesus Christ, like it says in verse 1. He was a bond servant. Also in verse 13 it says that he talks about his bonds in Christ. He was in prison so that the authorities could shut him up about him preaching about the gospel. But instead of shutting him up, it spread the gospel even further. Many of the saints there were becoming more and more confident and bold in preaching the gospel. So we can see why Paul was content with being in prison. It brought joy. It gave him the strength to endure the prison life because of what was happening outside the prison walls. Another thing that happens when we um, have joy in our lives, we live a life of peace and confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ. When David was king, his son Absalom tried to take over David's position as king. Absalom had taken the hearts of the men of Israel away from his father. And because of that, David had to flee for his life, lest Absalom would kill him. And Psalms 3 and 4, people say, were written at the time when David was running away from Absalom. And there's a verse there, we read verses 6 through 8 in Psalms 4. There be many that say, Who will show unto us? Who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart, more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. David is asking God to bless them because people were asking he will show them any good. God did bless them. He put gladness in their hearts. 
And this gladness was not that I had a good day, but this gladness was more joy than when they had, in, they had an increase in their crops, like it says there in Psalms. This gladness brought more joy than when they got promoted at work. This gladness brought more joy to them when they got a raise or made a big seal. So what is the result of the joy that they had, or that David had? It says that he will lie down in peace, and that he will sleep. You know, it is one thing to lie down in peace. There are people who lie down but can't sleep. Here, David lies down in peace and also sleeps. Joy in David's life brought peace and confidence in the Lord because he was only safe in the Lord. Outside of God brought unprotection and fear. Another thing that joy does in our lives is we are generous in our giving. If you care to, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 8. I want to read a portion of scripture there. 2 Corinthians 8. Moreover, brethren, we do, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. We see here that Paul was bragging about the churches of Macedonia and how they were giving to the poor saints of Jerusalem. Paul was not necessarily expecting them to give, like it says, as not as we have hoped. The reason for that could be because of the condition of the church at that time. This church was suffering from poverty and they were suffering from persecution. But yet out of their struggles in life, they had an abundance of joy. And with the joy that they had in their lives, they then gave lavishly. They were extremely generous. Even though they were poor and going through difficult times, they were persecuted. They gave way more than they were able. And this was done because they wanted to, not because they had to. It flowed from their hearts to give generously. So what brought them to this point? It says that they gave of themselves to the Lord first and then to the, to the apostles. They gave of themselves to the Lord and to the apostles. When we give of ourselves to the Lord, we will have the joy of the Lord in our life. There will be nothing holding us back. We will give generously. We will give more than we are able. And I believe this not only means our finances, giving when there's a financial need in the church, but also giving of our time, like serving on committees in the church, teaching a Sunday school class, teaching summer Bible school class, helping to clean the church, and the list could go on. 
And the reason is that we do these things is because we have joy in our hearts. We give of ourselves to the Lord. We give generously when we have the joy of the Lord. When we have the joy of the Lord, there is also unity in the church. And we talked about in our Sunday school lesson how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 1611, it says, Thou wilt show me in the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy. When we come to God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Where do we as a church go to enter into the presence of God? And there could be other places but we come to church, right? We gather with other believers. In Matthew 18, it says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So there's joy when we gather together as a believer or as, as the body of Christ. When we come to church and come before the Lord in brokenness like the people did in Nehemiah's day, we will experience the joy of the Lord in our lives. We will live in unity. Jesus prayed for this unity in John 17. And I don't think I'll take the time to read it, but he prayed for unity among believers. His desire is that all may be one, that they all be unified, that they all have the same goal, just like Jesus and the Father were one. And this desire for unity among believers, believers is so that the world may believe that Jesus was the one sent from God to the world. When we live in unity, it sends a message to the world. Also, Philippians 2, 2-8 talks about unity. I think I'll take the time to read that. If you want to turn to that, you may. <clears throat> Philippians 2, 2-8, it says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye, may, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." This is what we need to do if we want to live in, uni in unity. Each individual person needs to give of themselves if we want to live in unity. There's different things that help the church to be unified together, as we see in this, in this passage. Paul said that it would bring joy to him. It, it would make his joy complete if the church at Philippi would do these things. Paul encourages them to be like-minded, in order to live in unity, the believers need to practice three things, harmony, humility, and helpfulness. They were to have the same love for one another, a sacrificial love for one another. And Paul then describes that love in the way that Jesus came down to this earth and died on the cross 
for the sake of others. And if we want to live in a unity, in a body of believers, we too need to give of ourselves. Even if we don't receive anything for ourselves, we need to love others for the sake of others. It brings the joy of the Lord in our lives when we do that. We need to humble ourselves, not to think of our own selves, but on the things of others, to think of the needs of others more than our needs. Joy produces unity within the church. So what steals our joy from us? Or are there things that steal joy from us? I have a couple things listed here. Number one, false salvation. People that think they are Christians but are not. They're trying to be Christians through some other means, whether it's good works or believing in some other false doctrine other than the doctrine of Christ. And the reason that they don't have joy is because they don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives. Another thing that can steal joy from us is Satan and his demons. Satan is out to try to discourage us as Christians as much as he can in any way that he can. And I think we need to be aware of that and on, on guard of that. And through the aid of the Holy Spirit, we can find ways to overcome that, to be on guard on that. Another thing that takes our joy away is the lack of prayer, lack of prayer. We fail to hand situations over to the Lord. We would rather try to handle it ourselves, so we worry and fret and fume and let the situation consume us instead of giving it over to the Lord in prayer. We are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Don't lean on our own understanding. Philippians 4 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Allow the Lord to take care of the situation instead of worrying about it. Give it over to the Lord in prayer. Another thing that can steal our joy is when we are focused on the things of this world instead of on God. Are we materialistic? It will steal our joy. The joy that this world offers is shallow and has no depth compared to the joy of the Lord. The joy of the world rises and falls depending on the circumstances. Another thing that will steal our joy is being ungrateful. When we live a life of gratitude, we have a whole different perspective on life. When we are grateful, our life is more enjoyable not only for yourself, but also to those around you. Are you grateful for the home that God has placed you in? Are you grateful for the way that God has made you? Are you grateful for the way God made the way you look and also some of your strengths and even your weaknesses? Are you grateful for those things? Can we say with Paul, for I've learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Be grateful for the things that God brings your way so that you can have the joy in your life.
Another thing that I think steals our joy is when we forget. When we forget about what God has saved us from and what he has brought us from, we will lose the joy that God gives us. When we, when we remember what God saved us from, it gives us joy and strength to move forward. And just like the children of Israel, different times, they created monuments or something so that they would remember where God delivered them from. Forgetfulness steals our joy. Another one that steals our joy is worry about the future. And this can maybe go hand in hand with a lack of prayer. Are you worried about what may happen tomorrow or today, tomorrow, a year from now? Surrender it to the Lord. Let him take care of it. Another thing that can steal our joy is guilt. Are we unwilling to accept the forgiveness from God? That he has forgiven you. He has cleansed you from your sins. Are you unwilling to forgive yourself? Trust in the Lord. Accept what he has done for you on the cross. So have you experienced or are you experiencing the joy of the Lord? Is it your strength that gets you going day by day? Are you as Christians allowing things to steal your joy? Let's allow God to restore unto us the joy of his salvation. Let's allow God, let's allow the joy of the Lord to fill our hearts as we go through life. Let's kneel to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that it can bring in our lives. I pray, God, that you would just be with each one of us. I pray, God, that we would allow the joy to give us the strength to move on from day to day. Just give us the strength to be faithful to you as we go through our day. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us care about us. I pray God that you just got to direct us. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.